open, if you would, to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. So we looked last time at the core of this chapter, the middle, the ratification of the covenant, where Moses sprinkled the blood on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant. We saw how uh, Christ used that same phrase at the Last Supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Well, Tonight we'll read the rest of the chapter about what happened when Moses entered the cloud on top of the mountain. So verses 1 and 2. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Then verse 9. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel he did not lay his hand, so they saw God, and they ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went up into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. And we'll read all of that next week. Let's pray. Father, we pray that tonight you would take away just a little of the cloud and show us more of the fire. Show us yourself in the face of your Son. Lord, we have come not to Sinai, but to Zion. Your holy mountain where you dwell forever. The place where you delight to dwell. And you have invited us into your house to worship you tonight. So we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Thank you for the revelation to Moses. Father, help us to learn about you, about your glory, about your new creation and your Sabbath revelation. Help us to delight in and love and adore you and worship you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we saw last week, Moses is on the mountain with God. He got all of the book of the covenant, all of the laws that we looked at in chapters 21 to 23. The Lord finishes stating those laws at the end of chapter 23, and then he says, go get the 73 or the 70 elders and the three priests, and come up and have a banquet with me. 
And that is exactly what happens in verses 9, 10, and 11. But there is more to be done, more revelation to be given. And so the three priests, the 70 elders, go back down the mountain. Moses puts them in charge while he's gone. And then he ascends the mountain once again for five unbroken chapters. Well, more than that. Almost seven chapters, 25 through 31 in which God tells him the design of the tabernacle. Now, we tend to find that a little underwhelming. Wow, we had crazy Red Sea crossings, we had plagues of hail and lightning, we had boils, we had darkness and blood. and Now we're reading the blueprints of a giant tent that we will never see, and that we will never enter, and that we will never build. And now we are going ahead and turning ahead to the book of Samuel, where there's some more blood and guts and action scenes. Right. This is presented to Israel in Moses' hands, though this is not supposed to be a snooze. Well, the good part of Exodus is over. Oh, well. No, to the original audience, this is exciting. Wait, this is where God lives. This is what goes on in that building that is at the center of our national life, that we never get to see. Right? Some of you perhaps have tuned in to one of the Inside the White House documentaries or flipped through an issue of Life magazine that shows you the corridors of our nation's power and says little factoids like, when it was originally built, the White House had no closets. And you say, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Well, this is more interesting than that. What goes on in Washington does affect us to some degree or another, but what goes on in the tabernacle affects each member of the people of God. So Moses ascends the mountain, and there he gets the plans for the tabernacle. God revealed his glory to Israel. He revealed his glory to the elders and Moses by dining with them, but he revealed his glory as well by revealing the plans for the tabernacle. So we will look at this chapter primarily then as that introduction to the giving of the tabernacle plans. Let's go back to the invitation in verse 1 and 2. We looked at that last week. But if you'll notice, there's three levels of holiness mentioned here. I think I mentioned this. God says, come up to the Lord, and he names the 74. And the 73 should worship from afar, Verse 1, Moses alone shall come near, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up at all. So we have the people at the base of the mountain, which is equivalent to the taber- in the tabernacle structure, the courtyard, the outermost layer, the least holy place, if you will. Then you have the elders halfway up the mountain, that is the moderately holy place, or simply the holy place, equivalent to the holy place, the first room in the tabernacle. And then we have Moses alone, the mediator on top of the mountain, equivalent to the high priest alone going into the most holy place in the tabernacle. So the three levels of holiness at Sinai, the base of the mountain, the side of the mountain, the top of the mountain, are equivalent to the courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies within the tabernacle. The tabernacle, in fact, is a portable Sinai, a way that you can keep that Sinai presence of God with the people of God. 
The three levels of access, three levels of holiness, show the holiness of God. The closer you get to Him, the holier you have to be. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Also, to be in God's presence demands worship. Now He said to Moses, Come up to the Lord and worship from afar. Not come up to the Lord and I'll show you something cool. Not come up to the Lord and see what will give you bragging rights over the other Israelites. No, come up and worship. In the biblical model, it's unthinkable to come into God's presence without worshiping Him, without offering Him praise, glory, and honor. So that's exactly what Moses and the elders do. They went up, verse 9, they go up, they answer this invitation, they see God. Now this going up is literal. They actually climbed Mount Sinai. There was some mountaineering or heavy desert hiking involved in this. But to go up also represents, throughout Scripture, coming into the presence of God. The Greeks perhaps thought that the gods actually lived on Mount Olympus. I don't know if they thought that crudely. But God doesn't live on mountaintops more than in valleys, right? Jesus spent a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee, which is down in a hole. The point of climbing up this trip, or the point of climbing up the mountain, is to say, God is here. God has made Sinai his home for now. So the vertical ascent up Mount Sinai is paralleled later in the book by the horizontal progress from the courtyard into the holy place, into the most holy place. It's about signaling where God is. So they went up, and they went up to receive God's instructions. God said, here's the point. Verse 12, come up to me, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. It's a meeting where God is going to give Moses what Moses needs to instruct Israel. So it's a learning trip. Moses is coming up to get the law and the commandments so that he can then return down the mountain and teach Israel. Which is exactly what he does, of course, in the five books of Moses. These books are didactic. They are intended to teach us who God is, what he's like, what he's done for his people, the history of his relationship with us. So we can say that this trip was an unqualified success Moses got the tablets of stone, he got the commandments, and with those things he taught and still teaches God's people. So the elders went up, they saw God, they saw the pavement under his feet. We saw that that, that last week, they did not see the face of God, they saw something like the feet of God or the throne room floor of God, which, you know, if you come into the presence of God, that's all you're going to see because you will fall on your face right away. And if you dare to open your eyes, there's the floor. That is what the elders saw. So Moses went up. They left the others down at the mountain. That's going to be important in a few chapters when we have the golden calf incident. Moses went up into the cloud. And then verse 16 tells us, the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses. Moses goes up, he gets to the top of the mountain, ready to speak with God, and God makes him wait six days. 
Why did God make Moses wait six days? Seemingly, one would imagine, because that is the length of a creation week, or the length of a new creation week. Israel was reborn, in a sense, through their journey through the Red Sea. We looked at the new creation language there. Now Moses is reborn, in a sense, through his ascent to the divine presence. God starts speaking to Moses on the seventh day. This is a Sabbath revelation. A revelation that brings rest to God and the people of God. The revelation is about a place for God to rest, to settle down, to dwell. That word that keeps popping up, dwelling, settling down in the story of the tabernacle. The Shekan, from which the rabbis took the term, the Shekinah, for the dwelling presence of God. So this is a new creation revelation. God speaks to his people as seventh-day individuals. On the seventh day, God rested, and he spoke to Moses about a place of rest in the midst of his people. Moses goes up. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. But the narrator, instead of telling us right away what God said when he called to Moses, pulls back for a wide shot. We followed Moses up into the cloud. God is about to speak. And then the camera withdraws, zooms out. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So now we have a perspective shot from the people down below. We were with Moses in the cloud on Sinai waiting for six days for God to speak. Now... You're back in the camp, looking up at the mountain, saying, man, it's been six days. How many instructions does God have for us? And you see on top of the mountain, for those six days, fire on the mountain. There's a consuming fire up there. There's a presence that is unmistakably divine. Earlier, the presence, the fiery presence of God was described as also having lightning and wind, there's clearly someone very, very powerful on top of the mountain. So Israel does get to see God. It's from a distance. But there is no doubt in the minds of the people of God as they sit there in the camp at the base of Sinai, that is Yahweh right up there. It puts the golden calf into a whole new perspective. The first week, maybe, they're in awe. Wow, God is here. By week number five, oh, I don't know what's happened to Moses. Yeah, maybe God is up there with fire and lightning, but he's not about to come down here and harm us. So let's get on with having fun. A little scary how how quickly desensitized to the presence of God Israel was. Of course, the same is true of us. How quickly are we desensitized to the presence of God? So Moses is in the cloud, visiting with the fire. He enters the cloud, and God speaks to Moses from the cloud. The cloud is there to protect Moses, to hide the glory of the fire, to conceal the face of God. 
as no one can see God's face and live. The cloud, the cloud protects Israel. The cloud also says something symbolically. That you can't just scan God with your eyes and determine all there is to know about Him. He is incomprehensible. He is mysterious. And the harder you look at Him, the more you admit there, is, there are depths there that I cannot see. The eye is the primary sense for human beings. We have the other four senses. But when you smell something burning, you don't then say, hmm, I wonder if I can hear the flames crackling. Oh yeah, I think I hear flames crackling. Right? Or if you hear a problem in your car wheel, you don't say, well, I'll just listen to this. No, you want to go and look at it. You don't just sniff and say, okay, that tells me everything I need. In the same way, God says, I will block your sight. Your sight is your primary sense. I will speak to you and you can hear my voice clearly. I will show you something through a cloudy veil. But you will not see all of me. You will not know everything there is to know. All things are naked and open to the eyes of the one with whom we have to do. But he is not naked and open to our eyes. He is not the bug pinned on a card for us to dissect. And the cloud clearly tells us that. Above all, of course, as the New Testament more fully reveals, the most incomprehensible part of God is his triunity. That there are three persons within the singular divine being. That was wrapped in a cloud in this era. Moses knew something of it, right? He writes, let us make man in our image. And he writes, God rained fire from God out of heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he writes of the three who visited Abraham and so on. But he also says, folks, I saw a cloud. You saw no form in the mountaintop. There was not a shadowy divine figure that you saw. You just saw fire and cloud. So Moses encounters the mystery of God's being. But he also heard God's word. God speaks for chapter after chapter beyond this point. The heart of their time together was not what Moses could see or couldn't see. The heart of their time together was what Moses heard. God spoke to him. God revealed his word to Moses. And indeed, it is an abundance of words. One of the longest consecutive stretches of God speaking anywhere in the Bible. The Almighty is fire wrapped in cloud, but He is also Word, the God who speaks and reveals Himself verbally. And what does God reveal about Himself? Well, He reveals, here is how to make the tabernacle. Here is the tent in which I will dwell with you. You live in a tent, I will build build me a tent and I will move in with you. The tabernacle revelation is about God dwelling with his people so that they can permanently reside in his presence or that he will permanently reside in their presence. The tabernacle is about God coming to where they're at and moving in with them. So thus, even though the story begins with Moses climbing to the top of the mountain, what God says on the top of the mountain is, I am going to come down off this mountain. And I am going to live in the midst 
of the camp. I will be right there with you everywhere you go. Ultimately, the tabernacle prefigures the incarnation when the Son of God became one of us and moved in with us on earth. And that's the verb that John uses. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The Trinity is here on top of Sinai, wrapped in the cloud. The pre-incarnate Christ is here too, wrapped in the tabernacle. So as we see Moses on top of the mountain, in this wide shot from the angle of the camp, we have to ask, how well do we know God? Do we see the glory of His presence? Are we used to that presence? Oh yeah, there's God up there, the big fire in the sky. He doesn't care what I do, I might as well get back to sinning. We are now welcome in His presence through the death of His Son that tore the veil, dispersed the cloud, and in a very real sense showed the world the face of God. We're welcome in the holiest place. We don't have to stay beyond the fence at the mountain's foot scanning the mountaintop with our binoculars and saying, wow, I wonder how many more days it will be before Moses comes down and gives us the latest from God. We are not gated out of the presence of God like Adam and Eve. We have come to the new Jerusalem. And that's where walking by faith comes into it. We look around and we say, well, this is all pretty ordinary mortals that I know and I see around town. This is an ordinary place. And I'm here a lot. Is this really Mount Zion and the city of the living God and innumerable angels and festal gathering and God the judge of all and the spirits of just men made perfect and the blood of sprinkling? Really? Scripture says unequivocally, yes, it is. That's why we're here. Because we get to be in the presence of of God. We look at Israel and say, huh, wow, with the cloud and fire right there, they still built the golden calf. I would never get used to the presence of God on a mountain right in front of me. The New Testament says, you have something more. And we appear to get very used to it. Rejoice in the presence of God. Believe in it. Live for it. You don't need to sin. You don't need the cheap thrills of the world, the flesh, the devil, the golden calf. You have the presence of God. Through Christ, you and I are like Moses, standing before God now, hearing His voice now. Listen to the words. Do not refuse the one who speaks. Let's pray. Father, Maybe we would believe it better if we had a bunch of icons of saints and angels and Jesus all distributed around the walls of the church and then we would know we were in heaven. Lord, you have told us, as you told Moses, to use our ears, to listen, to not refuse the one who speaks. Thank you that you shake the heavens and the earth, that you are shaking away the things which cannot endure and giving us an unshakable kingdom. Father, fortify our hearts through that. Let us not be so wrapped up in the kingdoms of this world that we forget the stone cut out by no human hand that will 
crush and destroy them, and grow into a great mountain that fills the whole earth. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for the privilege of ascending the mountain into the Holy of Holies and there meeting with you in our worship right here in Gillette, Wyoming. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.